0: friend. Thanks for checking out the Crosspoint Church podcast. It's our hope that these messages will grow and thrive in your relationship with Christ. You can find more like this at thecrosspoint.com. All right, well, two thousand and twenty-three is definitely gonna be speaking to us today. There's very difficult to avoid it on a day like New Year's Eve. It's gonna be talking to you, it's gonna be saying some things. And I mean to start at the most basic level, maybe twenty-three is speaking to you because of the pepperoni and cheese baked pasta that you covered with parmesan cheese and super hot sauce and ate yesterday with your family. I don't know. I'm pulling that out of the air. Maybe that's what's speaking you to you today. Maybe you wash that down with two of your wife's peanut butter and chocolate cookies. And then a third one when you didn't think anybody was watching. And so now you're being spoken to about some of the things that you've done. But maybe in another way, you're looking back through this past year in 23, and it's speaking to you. It's saying, wow, this was a good year. We put some good things down. Some good things happened. Some things we didn't think would happen. And it's kind of speaking joy and peace to you. And you think, all right, you know, this year moved me forward Also, maybe 23 is speaking to you and you're saying, I am so glad this one's done. Maybe instead of watching the ball drop, you'd like to take it and throw it down (laughs) because this year was just tough. You survived it. You put one foot in front of the other and things happened that you didn't think were going to and and one disappointment followed on another and it's speaking to you. There also might be a third (laughs) group today. In fact, I'm sure there is where you're wondering what am I talking about? It actually kind of comes as a surprise to you that it's New Year's Eve. And if it doesn't change the price of coffee and what you're having for lunch tomorrow, it doesn't really mean that much to you. And there's something to that. I I can kind of say amen to that. And we'll address that a little bit. But one way or another, 23 is speaking to us. And in the same way, 24 is speaking to us. You might be on my team. When I think about a new year, I kind of hand wave like, yeah, but still, you know, I bet a lot of things will be just the way they always are. Um, yeah, New Year's, but yeah, I'm still just about the same person I used to be. But maybe some of you are really into it. 24 pumps you up. You're like, man, a new year that I could either make happen or ruin. And one way or another, it's speaking to you. But then there is that third group that you say, you know, it is what it is. Tomorrow's Monday morning. That's all I can say. And I think you might have some wisdom to share with us this morning. And now, yeah, we can get hyped, but after all, we are the ones who said it's New Year's, right? I mean, God didn't speak from heaven and say, now a new year begins. We're the ones putting that framework on it, and it's okay. I believe in it. I'm into it. I'll be up. Man, I might even stay up till 10 p.m. tonight. <laughs> but God did not tell us that it's New Year's. He's not the one that rolls that dial. I think he hears us. I think he's willing to work with our little traditions, but it's not him speaking it. I think some of you who go maybe tomorrow's just another day you're kind of seeing something that man-made traditions and man-made days are thin. They may have a lot of effect in our lives but it's not God. It doesn't have to do anything to you. What I would love to clear uh, out our series on do you hear what I hear with today is that when God speaks it makes a difference not only does it make and can it make a positive difference in our lives, but what I, I'd like to go a little deeper than that and say that when God speaks, whether we like it or not, whether we change or not, whether we believe it or not, whether we drown it out or not, when God speaks, no one is left the same. God does not speak into the air. He doesn't just say things just because, and he will not and is never, at the end of the day, ignored. So that we've hoped that what we've said throughout this series of Do You Hear What I Hear, we hope that it's laced with grace and comes with love and kind of presents this picture of our modern world as a distracting swell of noise. And we've hoped as pastors and as your friends here at Crosspoint to say, can we cut through all that? Could we try to pay attention to what God is saying? But we'd love to end the series by saying that whether it's been heard or not, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, does divide history into two. And what God has said to our world is Jesus. He is the word of God. He has challenged and overcome every other authority in the world, and they will never make a comeback. And every bad thing, including death, has been defeated by this word that God has spoken so that when people die, it won't be so that they just lay in the ground forever. It will be because when they open their eyes again, they will be looking at God God has spoken in Jesus Christ, which means that those who follow him will never be separated from him and will never be separated from each other. These things are real, even when lesser things speak so powerfully in our lives. We can ignore or try to drown it out, but it will not change the fact that it's true. We're gonna be in Hebrews chapter four today. I want you to turn there. Our real text will be 14 through 16 okay in hebrews chapter 4 but before we get there i just want to read again the warning at chapter 1 Um, i'm sorry verse 1 so let's we'll be in hebrews chapter 4 but i want to read this warning that starts in verse 1 i forgot my bible at home what kind of a pastor am i i'm using my phone what am i going to do if aunt mary calls me while i'm up here preaching i might have to take a second All right, Hebrews chapter four. Now, here's this warning for us who think, you know, yeah, God has spoken, but does it matter? Is he just another voice in the air? I don't know, listen to this. Hebrews chapter four, verse one says, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, this is the promise of entering to the rest of God himself, that we are led to believe by the letter to the Hebrews was illustrated in the fact that God created the world. He worked for six days, and then on the seventh, he took it easy. He stopped working because in his mind, his work was done. And now he's offering those of us who are in this world striving to make our way. He says, why don't you quit doing that? It's not working out. Ever since you guys have tried to make your own way without me, you're not doing very well. Why not just come on in? Why not just come home and rest with me? The letter to the Hebrews was telling them and it speaks to us now. We know this because Jesus has not returned. So as long as we're waiting for him, we know that the opportunity to enter into the rest of God still stands. And it says, while that's true, while this promise of entering this rest still stands, let us fear. Let's take care. Let's look. Let's be concerned. Let's be intentional. Let's be sober-minded. Let's be awake. Let's think about it. Lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it, it's possible to have God's word of rest leave you out because you decided, you decided didn't sneak up on you, it des- you decided that it wasn't for you and you continually put him out, be careful. For good news came to us, just as to them. In chapter three, he's talking about the people of Israel, that God spoke rest to all of them too, but some of them, the Bible says, some of them, and your Old Testament tells the whole story. Some of them decided that they didn't believe it, they heard it, but they didn't find a place for it in their lives and nonetheless, it found a place in their lives And they were excluded from God's rest and the same could happen to us. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. And so we have done this series on do you hear what I hear because we're hoping that you would hear what God is trying to say through a baby in a manger, amen. But we wanna end today with confidence in God saying whether you've heard it or not, you need to hear it combined with faith. Anyone who has ever been employed anywhere knows that you can hear instructions, and as Pastor Sean was sharing with us in his last message, you can hear, but you can hear without listening. Amen? You can hear without combining it with faith. If you don't think so, I want you to think about the difference between seeing a speed limit sign out on 270, both with and without a highway patrol car in your rearview mirror. How does it feel when there's no car in the rearview mirror? It feels like a gentle, well-meant, if I wasn't in a hurry, maybe this would be a good idea, suggestion from the good folks who love you at IDOT and MoDOT. Good for them. But whenever there's the highway patrol, the rearview mirror, it sounds like something you ought to do. It sounds like an urgent thing you ought to do. As a matter of fact, most of us choose to go five under as your guilty conscience plays itself out in that foot on the brake. So... You can hear something but if it isn't combined with faith, if it isn't combined with trust, then you're not really hearing what's being said and the importance of the message makes this even more and more vital. To hear a joke without faith means nothing but to hear the living God speaking his own peace to you who were his enemies and to decide not to hear him, to decide to drown him out, to decide to put him off till next year, Not a good idea. It's vital. We should be careful. We should fear lest we don't hear him and enter into his rest. And so with that warning, I would love to listen to these final and profound words of Hebrews chapter four together and then look at them in two ways and see if we can apply them. Think we can do that together? Anybody else have baked uh, pasta this holiday? You don't have to raise your hand. I'll know by the look on your face. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Well, if I can make it, you can make it. So we read now these words in Hebrews chapter four, starting in verse 14, it says this. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. This is the continuing talk about Jesus Christ our Lord. He's being called here our great high priest. He passed through the heavens, what does that mean? It means that he died, he was buried, he rose again, and under his own power ascended to heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but if I could go to heaven, I would. You know what I'm saying? I would. I can't. I I can't reach it. I don't have the power. And a lot of us say that as though it's some kind of a mark against Christianity. Where's heaven? I don't see it. I can't get in there. Right. You can't. You're not worthy. You need help. You need someone to take you there. Jesus was making a point that when before his disciples, he ascended under his own power into heaven. we go, man, I've never seen anything like that. Of course you haven't. Wouldn't you be a little suspicious of people who are ascending to heaven left and right all around you? Heaven's not someplace you just roll in because you're feeling it today. It is the kingdom of almighty God. He lives there. He dwells in unapproachable light. He's a holy person. He's the creator and uncreated being who made everything there is by the word of his power. Of course you don't just sidle on in there because you're feeling like it. So it says, well, we have a high priest that ascended into heaven that's passed through the heavens. He's not just putting out flowery words about Jesus. He's saying, this is the man who was one of us, who bled like one of us, who died like one of us, who sweated and didn't wanna be persecuted and loved his friends and felt lonely when he was alone. This one passed through the heavens. Oh, it's time to look up. It's time to pay attention to what this guy has to say for our lives. He's our high priest and he's passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God. Since we have this guy, since he is one of ours, since he's our great high priest, since he bridges the gap between us and God, then because of that, we should hold fast to our confession. What confession? That we believe in God, that God is our king, our father, that we've been saved, that we are a people in a kingdom, that our citizenship is not here, it's in heaven. We need to hold fast to our confession, our confession that sin does not satisfy that though it calls to you and has pleasures for now, it lets you down, and it's not good enough, and it's not what human beings were made for. We need to hold fast to our confession. That even though we're awash in a sea of information along the world wide web, we say that the Word of God is the Bible. It's a part of our confession. Do you understand? We need to hold fast to it, because it's not just one other thing that's being said these days. It's the thing. It's our confession, and it comes to us through Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who ascended under his own power. Into heaven because we can rely on him because he ever lives to make intercession for those who need him. We need to hold fast to that confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who, in every respect, has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. This is the first part. I said I wanted to look at it in two ways. This is the first one. What a profound thing to say about God. So as long as we're talking about hearing, I wonder if in these words, let us hold fast to our confession, since we have a great high priest and one who was in every way tempted as we are yet without sin. I think there's a great temptation or a risk, I might call it for us as Christians to hear this and not realize what a profound thing that is to say about God, that he was tempted in every way as you are. What I'm asking today is, do you hear the comfort in these words? There's great comfort in these words. This is not something that God had to do. This is not something he had to say about himself. And sometimes when it's in biblical language, I think that we don't hear it as powerfully as those who heard it first may have. So in other words, we hear, well, we have a great high priest. Well, I don't, I don't have one of those. I'm not sure what that is. I'm not, I don't know if I even have a priest, let alone a high one, and uh, he was tempted in every way as I am, yet without sin. It sounds good. I like the sound of it, but I wonder what it like actually means. Well, let me try to put it in a few modern ways, and so that maybe it might grab us again like it should. The comfort that is in these words. It's like this. What you have, Jesus is not afraid it's going to get off on him. You know what's wrong with you? That... Moral sickness, that the way Romans puts it. Paul says, every time I go to do something good, evil is right there with me. That sometimes I want to do things that are good, but instead I do things that I hate. And even when I do things that are good, alongside comes evil, always there, always at hand. When I try to do what I need to do, I leave things undone. There's something wrong with me. And whenever there's something wrong with you and it's deeply wrong with you and it's been wrong with you for a long time, it makes you afraid when people reach out to you in love and kindness and peace because you're afraid that what you have might put them off. They might be afraid of getting it on them. And isn't that the human condition? I'll admit it. Whenever someone is really suffering for a long time, like going to visit people in the hospital can be very difficult because you go in and you're like, man, it's hard to be around death and sickness. It's hard to be in there. It's dark in there. And sometimes you feel like it's going to dim your light, man. It's hard to go see people in a nursing home. I don't know if I have any friends here have gone to visit their loved ones in a nursing home. It's hard. Not because you don't love the one you're going to see. It's hard because those are hard places. And it's so heavy, and it's really hard to be in there. Well, Jesus loves to come and see you. He's not afraid that what you have will get off on him. Another reason we stay away from people that are good in our lives is always out of the fear that we don't want to disappoint them or let them down. I've experienced that so many times in my life. It's not that I, God hasn't put good people in my life who love me. It's actually that God has put good people in my life who love me and I don't wanna bring them down. I want to be as good of a person as my kids sometimes think I am. Back when they were younger and thought I could do anything, I wanted to be like that and I was a little bit afraid to be around them too much because I don't want them to see that dad is just some guy with issues and problems who fails sometimes and it's tough and marriage can bring this into you have this huge ceremony everybody thinks you're great and you're dressed up and you eat places you can't afford just to go back to your little dumpy place and try to be a good husband day in and day out closer and closer to the person who means the most to you so they see more and more of the fact that you're just not really outshining the sun to put it lightly Jesus will not play that role in your life he's not disappointed in you he knows everything about you he has what you need He welcomes you with your weaknesses. That's why he came to you in crucifixion. That's why he came to you dying for your sins. That's why he came to you humbling himself and being born in lowly circumstances. He wants you to know that you will never let him down, that in fact he searched for humanity's greatest weakness and was born into that and took care of it because he is a high priest that has been tempted in every way just as you are, yet without sin. He welcomes you. He's not afraid of you. He's not embarrassed of you. And if he was out eating, he would want for you to join him at his table and he would tell everybody that you were with him. What's even better about this is that Jesus does this because he wants to present you to the Father. Again, to attack that idea that we were after in our Good Father series is to say that God is not sitting up there like, let Jesus deal with him, he's my garbage man. He does what other people don't wanna do so that I don't have to look at it. That is blasphemous and not what the Bible says. Jesus describes himself as a high priest, which means it was his calling to bring people to God that Jesus is not ashamed of you because the Father's not ashamed of you. Jesus is God, he is the face of God and he was the Father reaching out to you. So there is no part of God that's ashamed of you or doesn't wanna be around you. And so there, are, there is great comfort in these words and if we don't hear it, we'll always stay away from him and the longer we stay away from him, the more the worse we will become. We need to be around God. There's great comfort in these words. Now, there are a lot of us in our culture, and this is my experience too, and then my experience also in the time that I've been a pastor, is that these words can be hard to accept, that Jesus loves us the way we are, that he'll come to you, that he's not ashamed of you. They can be kind of hard, but I would say that really in our cultures, at least as long as I've been alive, this is the part of the gospel that's a little easier for us to accept than the part I'm about ready to get to. So, in other words, there is a lot of deep shame in our culture and fear, and maybe God doesn't love me and doesn't want to be around me. Amen. And these verses do speak to that. No, Jesus was tempted in every way as you are. He gets it. He was there. He's been there. He understands. You say, okay, that isn't why I don't hear God. I understand that. I believe that we're okay with that, but there's also a challenge in these verses, isn't there? There's comfort. That was part one. He's a high priest, he's here for us, he's Never gonna be disappointed or put off or embarrassed by you. But there's also a challenge in these verses. Let's read it again. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Here's the first challenge. Let us hold fast our confession. We, need, we are supposed to be faithful to God. You guys with me? We are meant to be loyal, to stick with God, And he knew we would fail him, and that's why there's comfort in these verses. But we are meant to get back up. Does that make sense? Sometimes the Jesus loves me no matter what I do thing can ring a little hollow with us because inside our hearts there is a great desire to be loved, to be accepted and forgiven. Amen. But there is a much more neglected part of our hearts that wants to be strengthened, that wants to stand up. That wants to be able to look ourselves in the mirror, that wants to be loyal, that wants to have been one of the disciples that didn't leave when Jesus was arrested, that even if we did, like Peter, deny him three times, there's something in our hearts that wants to say, if he came back to me, I would tell him I was sorry. And when he told me that I was restored, that I could feed his sheep, I would be happy. I want to do it. I want to work for him. I may have heard his call and I may have ignored him. I may even have denied him in public. But if he came and he gave me another chance, I want to take that chance. I want to be a Christian. I want to follow God. I may not be proud of my prayer life, but I want to pray. I may not be the Bible reading hero of the world, but I do want to read it. I don't want to act like I do and then never do it. I don't want to get mad at people who who don't read the Bible, who make fun of it, but be one of those people who just never get around to reading it myself. I don't want to be that way. I don't want to be a sinner. I want to grow. I may fall back, but I want to get better. I may fall into sin, but I want to be different ones. I may struggle, but I want my struggles to have meaning. Let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. What are we supposed to draw near to? Look at how comfort and challenge are combined right here. Where do we draw close to? A throne of grace. Where there's a throne, there's a king. Where there's a king, there's authority. Jesus is trying to lead you towards a throne. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times I wonder, is he, what is he, is he just leading me towards a hug? Is Jesus just leading me towards a, a hug that lasts for all of eternity? Well, he's going with his arm around you. He went into the suffering first. You are forgiven. He does love you, but Jesus does mean to lead you towards the king of the universe, Jesus does lead to, mean to lead us away from disobedience and towards obeying God. There is an authority in this world and as we covered at the beginning, God has spoken to this world and whether the world believes him or not, the world has changed. If you look around our culture now and you think, I don't think a lot of the people, I don't think most of the people who are in charge have any idea what they're doing. And I don't think that the solutions that they're coming up with that are gonna heal our land are gonna work. I just don't think they're going to. I would like to confirm that for you today. Our Bible teaches us that there is one King of Kings and one Lord of Lords and he is in charge. And we are being challenged to leave behind lesser things and come to that throne. And that's why we read and say, man, I don't know if I belong there. I don't know if I can come before it. And that's why it's called a throne of grace. One of my favorite stories about Jesus that combines both of these things is he's been crucified. Disciples don't know what to think. And Jesus was real unpopular by the time they put him to death. And so the, his followers have themselves all, you guys remember this locked in an upper room. So they go in there, they lock the door. Jesus appears in their midst. First of all, you gotta love, I love the challenge of that. It's like the parent. Any other parents in the room, you got the little, it looks like an Allen wrench. So like if your 13 year old goes, I hate you and storms upstairs and locks the door and you just get the Allen wrench, (laughs) you know, just open the door. Well, I don't hate you. Let's talk, you know. Jesus has got the Allen wrench to the universe, you know, so they lock the door, they're afraid, they don't know what to do, and he appears in their midst. And this is one of those times where it's obvious and good that I'm not God, because if I was and I appeared in their midst, I would have enjoyed it first, you know, I would have been three inches above the ground and glowing, I'd have been like, though you try to lock me out, you never will. Instead, Jesus just appears among them as if it was just any other Monday afternoon and says, quote, do not be afraid. Don't you love both of those? You will never lock any door that I cannot get through. Ooh, ooh. But don't be afraid. (laughs) You cannot ask for more than that. And what does he tell them when he comes in their midst? He didn't say, guys, look, I just want, I'm, I'm here to dry the tears of your eyes. No, nah, he said, don't be afraid. But he also said, what are you doing in here? Let's go. <laughs> you know, it's time to go. Go into all the world, teaching them the gospel and to obey everything I've taught you and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's go. And when the Holy Spirit fell on them at the day of Pentecost, was there comfort? You bet you. They were speaking out the great things of God to the point that people thought they were liquored up. But they also went, it drew 3,000 people back to God. And then they went from there to cover the entire world. There is a comfort, but there's a go. So what I would love to face this new year with is both the comfort and the challenge of the word that God has spoken to us. Let us come boldly before a throne of grace. Why? That we may receive mercy. There's the comfort and find grace to help in time of need. We've got a job to do. We're still the people of God. We are his witnesses. No matter what it costs us or takes away from us in earthly measure, we have held tight to a confession that says it's more than worth it, that they can't take anything from us that's of any worth anyway, and everything of infinite worth has been given us to our Lord by us, by our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's both mercy and challenge. One point of application today. Is that okay? Sure, got it with me? All right. Four points of application then. Let's get real. All right. This comes, the comfort and the challenge in the word of God that's being spoken to us comes into sharp focus when we pray. Now, don't hear me saying you better get to praying so this can happen to you. I'm telling you that when you pray, and even when you don't, this comes into sharp focus in your life. And let me briefly explain what I mean. When we come before God in times of prayer and feel overwhelmed by guilt and condemnation and that we just should leave, then we realize that we are not hearing God on the comfort. Do you understand? So when we come before the Lord, I've heard many and I've had this in my life too. It's time to pray and I just feel overwhelmed by condemnation and guilt and all the things that I have not done. It just shows that I have not yet understood the word of comfort because I'm coming before a throne of grace. I am coming to the only one who I really need if I really am overwhelmed with condemnation and guilt in my life. If I am bad, I need Jesus. If I'm horrible, I need Jesus. If I'm the worst person who ever lived, if I'm Judas, I need Jesus. And so I haven't heard the comfort if that overwhelms me. And so that's where I need to go. Many times what we do instead is we go away, further away from God. We're spiritual teenagers. Start messing up, we put a lot of distance between us and God. When the best thing we could possibly do is come back, see that he's trying to help us and hear that word of mercy. Now, I want you to hear me. When you go to pray and this happens, that's what you're hearing. It's not an if or a maybe or, man, you better try hard or you won't hear it. I'm telling you, when you come before God, if you are chased away by guilt and condemnation, it is both the enemy of your soul speaking to you and a sign that you have not heard the deep comfort of these words. The second thing that comes into focus when we come to pray is, When all of our prayers, and man, I'm there, I'm with you. I'm your brother here. I'm the chief of sinners here. When all of our prayers are about God maintaining our way of life. And I don't mean this in a crass way. I'm not saying you're all a bunch of materialistic jerks and all you ever do is just pray for Cadillacs. I don't mean that at all. Crosspoint's a beautiful church, beautiful people of God. I'm saying that you probably often pray like me. Please keep my kids from getting sick. Please help my wife. Please keep my family together please help me at work. There's nothing wrong with this. But when it is the only notes we know, then we're forgetting the challenge that is coming to us in the word of God. We have work to do. This is a throne of grace. The prayer that Jesus taught his disciples has a place for asking for our daily bread. But then it has things like we forgive those who have sinned against us. It has things like, let your name be hallowed. Let your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. And we need to be trained by that prayer again to rise to the challenge. Or else you'll do what I have often done. Like when they train horses and they put that rope and it ties them to the middle and then they just run them around that ring. You guys have seen this. Probably like me, you saw it in a movie, not in real life. And they just run around this ring. Some of us get the feeling that we're running around the ring spiritually that we just keep sinning, seeing that we kinda messed up, asking for forgiveness, feeling forgive, and then going back around again. Just know that Jesus wants to untie you from that, get on his own horse, and ride out with you into some better things, worse than you do. (laughs) Worse than you do. He's more interested in doing something else with you. He just needs us to get involved in his work. Yes, small group. Yes, life group. Yes, recovery group. Yes, witnessing at work. Yes, seeing our families reunited. Yes, being the husband or wife that God is calling us to be. Yes, getting up off the ground and saying, God, make me a father that's after your own heart. Yes, God, I wanna be the mom that you called me to be. Yes, he wants us to do that. Yes, godless culture will hear from me in love and grace that there is a God. Yes. And so what I'm asking Crosspoint and what I would love to see as this next year finds us as a church, not you alone, always alone. No, all of us together. I would love it if in our own private time and as we come together as a church, that God would find us hearing his comfort and his challenge in deep focus in times of prayer. Deep focus in times of prayer. And who knows what God will do with this place in another year. Isn't that kind of exciting? Even for those of you who are New Year's Grinches, sounds kind of exciting for 2024. Amen? All right. Okay. Well, let's try it. You want to practice together? Okay. Stand up. We'll pray. And this is the last thing that's going to happen. Then you get to leave. So you've got to be excited about that too, in a certain way. Lord, here we are. We've talked about it and now it comes into focus. Some of us are standing here right now, again, shielding our minds from how disappointed you must be in us and yet we've heard today from your word that's bigger than our hearts and more authoritative than we are that you're not ashamed and you're not embarrassed and we don't have to shield our minds from how disappointed you might be because you're not and I thank you for and I pray for any friend right now who's standing before you right now at that throne of grace and prayer still down still being pulled down by condemnation and fear I pray that you would rescue us right now by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would change our minds and help us to see that's a pattern we set up and that the devil loves. And I pray that you'd help us to begin to move towards that comfort that's in your word. And now Lord, we stand before you as your sons and daughters, but by your word, we also stand before you as your soldiers. You called us to be good soldiers of the faith and not to get tangled up in civilian affairs to the point where it makes us derelict in our duty. And so I join as the chief of sinners with the rest of my friends here who want to join me and say, I'd like to re-up. I'd like to extend my contract with you. I'd like to be your soldier. I'd like to put on that armor. I'd like to take up that sword again and get back to my duty that you called me to. And I hope that any of my friends here are willing will join me. Not so we can prove how spiritually cool we are, but so that we can follow in your footsteps and see your grace and your power played out in our lives. And we thank you for that. As Cross Point Church in 2024, we receive that challenge that you're giving to us to come your way and be your witnesses. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us. You can check out thecrosspoint.com for more resources like this.